play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Welcome to the week five edition of the Astro League podcast brought to you from the Nissan studio. I'm calling it that because I am in my car tonight. It is a rather rainy old day and uh, my poor old kids, they'll, they'll just be too noisy in the background if I'm recording inside. So here I am out in the driveway. I've got to say week four was the most interesting week. It's it's left us with more questions, I think, than answers. After I recorded last week, obviously, the news started going crazy. As everyone will know, the biggest news was the Tennessee and Pittsburgh game getting shifted. Now, of everybody in the league, we were just looking at who was owned. And guys like Juju, Ben, James Connor, Deontay Johnson, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, and Jonu Smith were kind of the, the big names of both those teams that were owned and on rosters. So looking at the teams that were most impacted, generally owners of these players had enough depth to, to be able to muddle by and it kind of looked like the playmaker who was running out Tannehill but he did have Johnny Smith as his tight end which uh, really did force him out of a move where he probably would have had him as a flex and I mean I think the downside there too is without knowing it for him uh, Philip Lindsay was ruled out Devontae Adams was ruled out so it's just his team really suffered a lot last week my guys I have Ben and James Connor and it just meant that I had to pivot really hard I guess to try and find ways to get a lineup together to go against Tim last week and Kenny and I had mixed fortunes but everybody else had uh, at least somewhere else to turn immediately without having to go and tip their roster upside down looking for guys off waivers. So nothing official on this one yet about exactly when it's going to be played but in that week 7-8 zone where buyers were for these teams but also where Baltimore are going to be affected by Pittsburgh uh, having to shift stuff around it means that you know as long as it was a buy this week for these two teams and their future buy weeks can be realigned to make sure they can play each other it looks like they're going to get out of jail on that one but I'm burying the lead because the bigger news was that the biggest profile player in the league so far to find themselves on the COVID reserve list happened it was Cam Newton obviously of the New England Patriots and better known as you know Cam Newton of the Struggle Town Sausage Dogs. What I do think this highlights is that, look, there's going to be uncertainty around what happens when there are more of these tests. And I'm saying when, I'm not saying if. What it does mean, though, is thank goodness in our league, we've actually got options available on the waiver wire at a position that scores high like quarterback. In the offseason, we did run a poll about how should we try and approach what could be an unpredictable season? Could we add a roster position to try and help us have more flexibility around this week and just push a guy who would have started otherwise into that role and then just start any old chump you can find? And it saves you having to drop somebody you care about. Well, turns out as that vote came back we got eight yeses which is great because that's half the league but we also got four no's and then four absent votes which you know they didn't cast a vote at all and what it really means is that we were short of having nine which would have been an absolute majority to, to, to kick it over and, and make that decision to change rosters and it was too big of a call to not have a consensus of at least nine a solid majority to do it so that's why we don't have anything in place to cover if these things impact a week we've just got to muddle through it now, I was going to go through a whole bunch of the injuries and a whole bunch of the waivers, but I've actually got such a big old pack show in terms of also doing some recapping and looking forward into next week. And I've got two guests coming on, which is just going to be so great. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what I want to do, though, is go straight into, well, what happened around the league? Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I would have run Jeremy's side boner going for him there. <laughs> Your in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. Wes is going to have to realise that he's just playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor Nailed, I've got to say. Well, as we know, in week four, it was the East going up against the West, and the West have been previously the highest-scoring division in the league. That's changed, and I'll get to that later. But the big showdown was going to be between Scuba and James. Scuba, he comes into the matchup 2-1 and one against the undefeated James, and he walks away with the biscuits And what was a terrific game. Scuba puts up 126 points and looks really, really strong doing it. That has absolutely affected how he sits in the overall as well, which I'll get to. As for James, well, it's a speed bump. He maintains his number one seed. He maintains his number one spot in that division. But what has changed is that all of a sudden, Pete gets the win over Kenny, and he moves to 3-1, and, and those two are tied back atop the West. Kenny with the loss... 
he's had a really tough run of it. He had 79 last week. He scored 71.9 this week on the back and not really having any answers for some of the, the changes that have happened around his running backs. He's got a lot of injuries there and then having to replace Jonu Smith on no notice. He gets cleaned up. That's two big losses after two big wins. So he's at 500 and he has seen the absolute sunniest of sun and he's seen the absolute shadiest of shade. It's been absolute feast or damn famine for Kenny. Also happening here in this East versus West is that Brendan gets on the board as he smokes at him. Holy cow. Did you see that? 136 total points for Brendan. So he goes and just demolishes Adam, who's got problems at running back. Kenyon Drake, well, we saw him really patchy. He barely played in some parts in that game and it turns out he kind of got a bit winded and and sort of had a sore chest for a little while there and wasn't really involved. So that is a short-term thing, and he was already back in uh, the practice facility doing workouts again on the Monday, and he's fine. There's no long-lasting impact to that, but Nick Chubb's going to go on for at least six weeks with that MCL. It was a massive, massive win, though, and I've got to tell you, Brendan, it's good to see you back, mate. He's back, back from the dead. This is like that serial killer in the, those sort of thriller movies. You think Brendan's dead, you think Brendan's dead, and bang, one and three. If he wins again this week, all of a sudden he's still in the race for the playoffs. The last one in this East versus West thing is Jerry. He gets the win over Taylor in a game. But I had this thing dead to rights. There's no way Taylor could bobble this. He still had the number one receiver in fantasy to go. He had Matt Ryan to go. He had Hayden Hurst to go. Oh, man, I cannot believe that he bottled this in a way that was absolutely mesmerizing. Holy cow. You know, I actually thought at the end there maybe he might do a big old dad save where you see, you know, on YouTube a video of a kid rolling down a hill on a, uh, on a scooter and then dad's got a fly in a out of the picture and save him right before he goes into the lake. I thought that was going to happen, but no, no, Taylor goes into the lake. And, mate, he is ticked about it. Hot pissed. He's gone ahead and changed his team name now. We're not going to call him the Vinegar Strokes for the time being. He's changed his name to the Fantasy Football Team. So now we've got two teams in the league who hail by the, the mascot, the football team. So that, that'll make things interesting. Uh, and they're in the same division, which is even better. But yeah, Taylor, he's sad. Very, very sad as both teams score under 80 points. And this is the first time this season we've seen a team win with less than 80 points, considering the league average score at the moment is 107. All right, we also saw the North versus the South, and there were some terrific matchups here. Justin has come roaring back from the 0-2 start. He's had two big scores, 280 points in the last two weeks. He and Jackal play an absolute dynamite matchup. They've both got great rosters. They put up 288 points in this matchup. It means that Jackal... Write some history down here, mate. You're one of only five teams in the last five seasons to score 130-plus and lose. The last team to do it was James in the 2018 final. Holy cow, Jackal. 135 points. It's your best score of the year, and you still lose. He is 1-3. and three. I'll get to the repercussions of that a little bit later because I want to talk about Tony sliding past Joel. Now, Joel's had all kinds of problems since he had those two big running back injuries, but Tony's team has probably up to now underperformed. So it was good to see him get the win, get back to 500. Now, Ryan is having a weird season. He scored 100 points this week on the nose. He edges out Mark by a little over two points in what was a really, really engrossing matchup. It wasn't until that really, really late touchdown from Tyreek Hill that he put this game away. But Mark had 43 points from Tom Brady and only managed 98 overall because not a single player in the rest of his team scored a touchdown. And Jason Sanders, the Miami kicker, came in second with 15 points. So it was just an all-round disappointment for Mark outside of Tom Brady. I think better days are ahead for him because his team is guys like Robert Woods, Miles Sanders, the newly minted Devonta Freeman over in the New York Giants lineup, and Randall Cobb, finds himself useful. Mike Kosicki as well, who we know he can catch touchdowns. So I think there are better days ahead for him, but he was also suffering from the you know impromptu Juju Smith-Schuster buy. In the last matchup of the round, I got to face Tim. And this is a matchup where I'm always nervous playing Tim. He's got me six and four all time, and I managed to just squeak him out because of a little bit of luck with, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley not scoring any points for the Atlanta Falcons in that game against the Packers. But then you generally think that means Julio must be picking it up, and I just kind of got lucky that Julio didn't have a big day. Uh, three and one for me, and Tim stays at two and two in what was sadly a disappointingly low-scoring matchup for considering we both scored a little bit over 100 each. That really could have been a much better game, and I'm. I I really think Tim was unlucky there. Now, what does this do to the standings, right? Because I've mentioned some things about standings on the way, but I just want to make sure that we cover this off because I think this is where it gets really, really interesting. Hey, this is Adam from the Queensland football team. Looking for an actual challenge this year. Be funny if I didn't make finals. 
This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. This time around, I'm going to start from the bottom of the page and work my way up because the West, not as wild as it used to be. They now have two of the three lowest scoring teams in the league the fantasy football team and the Queensland football team run by Taylor and Adam respectively. They've got a combined one win between them and gee, they are way down the list of scoring. But in second in that division is Pete, Jiggity Jigs. He is third in the overall, but because he's in the same division as James, it means he's the wild card. And because of the results this week and just some of the scoring from other places, it means that he is now in fifth. Then over to the East, who they played this week, and gee, with the win, $10 Booker goes not only to 3-1, and one, but he also goes to the top of the division with all those points, 126 this week, while Jerry got the win but floundered about doing it, only scoring a little over 80. It means that now not only has Scuba got the 3-1 uh, the and one and tied up at the top, but he's also got about a 40-point break on Jerry. So he's going to have to do well to maintain that because Jerry's team is looking quite good. But then I know Kenny's at 2-2, two and two, but gee, it feels like a golf because he is more than 100 points behind Scuba, $10 booker. And, and the Playmaker team here is just, they are reeling, absolutely reeling. So hopefully there are better days ahead for him. He still has a game lead on Brendox Birdman right down the bottom of that division. But Brendox, he's got almost 30 points more scoring than Kenny. He's been a lot more consistent with his scoring since week one as well. I can imagine a world where that changes and all of a sudden Playmaker's on the bottom of that division, really through no fault of his own. And Brendan's team finally starts to rise from the ashes. Then we'll just check into the south where I've got the three and one in that division and 455 points of scoring. So I've sewn up that top spot for a moment, but it's a tenuous grip because Justin's right behind me on two and two. He has 40 points more scoring than me, thanks to the 280 points he's dropped in the last two weeks. Holy cow, so he is really on fire. While he's tied on record for with Joel, oh man, he's got about a 100-point break on Joel as well. So the Struggle Town Sausage Dogs, things not going well for them after they started with the first overall pick and things were going so well through the first two weeks. It's just a shame to see them spluttering and spurting along at the moment, so hopefully there's better days ahead for them. But can you believe this? The champ going for tour. Mark is 1-3 and three with 409 points. So he's outscoring Joel by almost 20, the old Sausage Dogs but he just doesn't have the wins. He's been really consistent scoring between sort of 90 and 105. So hopefully he can just find a way to unlock one more level and get a few more points out of people and start getting some wins. Let's finish it off with the North. Now, Huskers are on top of that division and I'm gonna give you something about the Huskers because I think they're an interesting side. In the week just gone and the power rankings that Ryan puts up, and I love that he does this because, you know, I think it gives a really forward-looking insight in ways that the NFL fantasy website only gives me kind of a retrospective look at who's powerful. Ryan's is giving you a future look, and in that one, he lost Austin Eckler this week, and all of a sudden, he tips all the way from being something like third on the last power rankings to 15th. Now, I don't think it's all Austin Eckler, but I think that makes a huge part of why he's tumbled. And what I've seen too, is I've got this little metric I'm gonna bring up in a little bit, but given the way he's scoring, I would expect Ryan to have probably about one win. Here he is three and one on top of the division with 407 points, easily the lowest scoring division leader. And he has the gap on Tim because of that two and two result. If Tim had beaten me last week, I'd be two and two. He'd be three and one on top of the division and feeling really good about himself. As it is, this means Tim's not in the playoffs at the moment. He's the eighth overall seed. And it just is because of having just Julio absolutely misfire and just not getting either something extra out of the Green Bay defense or maybe an extra kick from Mason Crosby. That's all it would have taken to chase me down. It was such a close matchup in the end and he was definitely in the box seat for a lot of it. But then he's on the same record as Squazmongers and I've got to tell you, 398 points for Tony. He's bottom in scoring in the division, but his team is better than that. I don't know if his team's better than Jackal's though. Jackal is one and three at the bottom of the division. 446 points. So he's got the most scoring in that division. And I would expect he should have three wins. Before we go into what the playoffs look like if they started today, I want to ex explain this expected wins thing that I'm talking about. So what I've done is I've created a little spreadsheet, and I mentioned it in last week's episode really briefly, around, well, how many points do you score each week? How is that relative to the average score in the league that particular week? And if you're within sort of 10 points up or 10 points down of that, well, you could probably half the time expect that you'll win. If you are more than 10 points over it, you should expect a full win. 
and if you're more than 10 points below it, you probably should expect no win. And using that as my grade, I've sort of had a look at, well, who has got wins? What would their expected wins be using this new little metric thing that I've got? I may need to tweak it a little bit, but for the meantime, I'm pretty confident it's working pretty well because I think the examples I brought up with Huskers have scored 89, 102, 114, and 100 could easily expect that they would have maybe two wins at best, but 102 in a week where the average was 112. This week just gone, 100 in a week where, you know, the average score was about 109. Sheesh, it's hard to give him more than maybe, you could maybe give him a half expected win for that. It's it's just unbelievable that he's got three wins in the same division where Jackal has scored 106, 103, 101, 135, and he's only got one win. And I think this metric works fairly well because most of them are fairly close and it's pretty well saying, hey, teams are winning around about as much as they should win. And the only one other exception to this is Taylor. I'm sorry, brother, I'm gonna bring this up to you because your team has scored 114, 110, then 76 and 75. So let's, let's just throw out those last two and say you shouldn't get anything for them. But gee, for those first two weeks, 114 in a week where the average was 103. I'm gonna give you a full expected win for that. And in the week where you scored 110, the average was 112 for the week, so maybe a little below, but you should expect to win with a score like that at least half the time the way this league's scoring. Well, you know, that's one and a half expected wins, and I think that completely changes your outlook for the season if you're between one and two wins right now. But here you are with zero wins, and it's just everything to do. The reason I say that there's everything to do too is because I brought up this little thing where in the last five seasons where we've had a six-team playoff with the wildcard setup that we have, I wanted to dig in and see, well, what happens to you if you start 5-0, and 4-1? and What happens if you start 0-4? What is your chance of turning it around and getting back into the playoffs? Now, I posted this in the group thread, but I also wanted to mention it here because at 0-5, which would be another loss this week for Taylor, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but no one's ever come back from that. At one and four, though, one team has. And funnily enough, that team is Taylor. In fact, he came back from one and six, one out the rest of the way to be seven and six, to get into the wild card as a division winner of a weak division and then got bumped the first week. But it's possible and you can win your division even from that distance. This year it might be harder because we've got all these teams already at three and one. I haven't seen this before. We've got six teams at the top, all three and one. We have no undefeated teams left. Any of those teams win this week, all of a sudden you look at a two-thirds chance of making the playoffs. Any teams who lose as a three and one team now, you drop to having about a 50-50 chance. Any team that leaves this week two and three, wow, it craters quickly. There is a 10% return rate of teams who are two and three making the playoffs. Holy cow. And it's even worse than that. It's about half that once you get to one and four because Taylor's the only one. So what we're seeing here is in 80 different teams' seasons in the five years, 16-team league that we've been running this format, 80 instances, all teams who've been undefeated through five weeks get in. We don't have any of them. So now of the 75 remaining, if you just take the teams who start two and three, one and four, or 0 and five, all these below 500 teams, after five weeks, only three out of 40 have made it to the playoffs. That is horrendously low, that's like a 7% chance. But I think we really should look at how the standings are in terms of what would happen if the playoffs started today, because I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind is where everyone is. Now, this is a really strange thing because all six teams in the playoff right now are three wins and one loss. But here's how it would break down. You've got James on one side of the bracket. He's got 517 points. He's looking pretty. And then you've got Scuba, who is the next best scoring division leader at the moment, also three and one. Then Pete has to take up a wildcard spot because he's in the same division as James. And it means that I've got the next best division leading record and scoring, and I'd be the three seed on the other side of the bracket with Scuba, the $10 Booker team. And Ryan, who leads the Northern division, he would be the fourth seed facing Pete. The winner of that would face James. So that's kind of cool. On the other side here, the winner faces $10 Booker, Scuba's team. It'd be me versus Jerry. Now that would be a great matchup too because both our teams are scoring almost the exact same amount of points. We've got the same record as well, just like everybody else in the playoff. And I think this is one of these things where in history we've seen generally the five seed because there are a wildcard team who are the strongest non-division winner 
often they just beat the four seed because the four seed is the weakest division winner, generally. At three and one for everybody, it's harder to say that, really honestly, with your hand on your heart only four weeks into the year. But then in the other one, generally three will beat six because it's a stronger division winner versus a sneak it in wild card. So it's, it's often the case that three will win that and then go into phase two, and then five will beat four and go into phase one. And that's what we've seen in years gone by. If that were to happen, it would put Pete right online to play James for what will be a third time in the season. They've still got to meet up again in week 11, but then if this is how the playoffs look, they'd be meeting again in week four, uh, 15. Sorry, week 15. On the other side, I have played Scuba in a semi-final before. It didn't go so well for Scuba. Unfortunately, it was one of those Todd Gurley goes bananas games and Devonta Freeman had 24 points or something like that and ended up putting 150 on the poor bugger. He'd beaten me twice in the regular season on the way to that, though, so it didn't feel too bad for him. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, T.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. Whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F you to the vinegar strokes. All right, so time to preview the games for this coming week. But before we do, I've got a trivia question. Now, I know the feedback has been great on this. Nobody has said anything to me at all about whether they like it or not. So it also tells me nobody hates it. <laughs> but here is my trivia question for this week. And it's about the most important position on your roster, your kicker. Well, mate, if we're going to talk kickers, you might as well talk Mason Crosby. He's currently the number five kicker. He has 36 points. That's good enough for nine points a week in our league at the moment. You wouldn't mind getting nine points every week from your kicker. Number four is Justin Tucker. No surprises here, too. Another great kicker on an offense we expected was going to score points. He has 38, so a little bit over nine a game. Then Blankenship in at Indianapolis. He's kind of surprising me here. He's got 43 points. He's third overall in kicking. And that's 10 and a half points a week. Like, that is worth really keeping your eye on. If he ever comes up available, you might be able to just snake him. Daniel Carlson, unsurprisingly way up there this year. He started with two great games to kick off the season. I think he had 15 in week one. Looking really strong. He has 44 overall points. But the question is, who's the number one kicker in fantasy this year? Look, no surprises here, as we all would have guessed. Number one kicker is Randy Bullock at the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, okay, maybe we wouldn't have all guessed that. But you know what's funny about him? He hasn't been the number one kicker in any week of the season in isolation. Every week, he's just put up a decent score. So in week one, he scores eight. Ho-hum, it's a little bit better than average. Then he had a 12 in week two, an 11 in week three, and then a big old 15 where he was kicker number two this week. But even though he hasn't had any weeks where he was the standalone number one kicker in the week, he's just done enough every week to cumulatively chase everybody down. And then he's top of the pile. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, so for our game breaks, I just want to talk really quickly about week five and what we can expect because we've got eight, again, really, really fun matchups coming up. We see the whole West Division play the North and then we see the East play the South. So, who's playing who? Reviewing all of this week's matchups. Here we go in our West versus the North. I'm going to kick it off with Cornhuskers versus the Space Pirates because, man, this has got to be the biggest matchup of the weekend in a lot of ways. They're both division leaders again right now. This is the second week in a row we've had division leaders face off. James just gets no respite, but again, he is the heavy favourite in this one with Matt Stafford on a bye and Austin Eckler. Sony Michelle and Cam Akers, all these running backs, all very, very questionable or, or just not able to be started this week for the Cornhuskers. So it'll just be interesting to see how this one maps, maps out. But at the moment, with only the quarterback space empty, Cornhuskers are just so far behind on the projection. It would take a miracle for somebody to really bridge that gap. He's 45 points behind on the projection today, and this is middle of the week, uh, around about the time the waves are going to run. So, yeah, look, Ryan's got it all to do, I'm afraid. Really, really sorry, mate, but it does look like you're going to have to eat a dirt sandwich this, this week, go to 3-2, and two, and James is going to power on, jump out to 4-1 and one by the look of it. Next one. Ah, oh, 
second place teams play. So whoever loses that first team matchup might just lose the lead in the division altogether because one of these teams also has to win. Tim and the Canberra Crusaders playing Pete and the Jiggity Jigs. Now, this is a fantastic matchup because, as we know, Tim's got more scoring than Ryan. So he's 2-2 two two today, but if he can win and jump to 3-2 and two in the event that Ryan loses, he would, again, jump to the top of the division. But he's got some problems because the bye weeks. Mason Crosby and the Packers' defense are both going to be off. Julio Jones has been questionable, and Noah Fant also questionable. So he's got a lot to sort out here. And as it sits right now, I'm looking at an empty tight end spot because of the Noah Fant move and an empty defense. But he has got Joey Sly, the kicker, in there to cover for Mason Crosby. So watch this space. He's currently projected for 95, and he's got a few players to fill in there that are going to be worth some points. And it's projected against a Jiggity Jigs team, which might make a move or two themselves, depending on if... Leonard Fournette's going to play or not. He's projected for quite a low score, but he, he has ripped off a 26 before this season. Currently, Pete is projected for 107. So you can imagine this starting up with the projections being pretty close. Then what I like about this even more is that third place teams play. So Tony Squazmongers going up against the Queensland football team. Adam, desperate to get back in the winner's column after that loss last week. Tony looking to keep the momentum up. But Tony has got Aaron Rodgers on a bye. I think he might be in the afters market too of people who've had to make moves and, and I think he will see on the waiver wire that there are quarterbacks around but he might just wait to watch what everyone else's move is and then scoop up somebody who's left behind. Good news though for Tony too is while he's been sitting on Le'Veon Bell being on injured reserve and we've just seen Adam Humphreys go on to the COVID list. It's going to be interesting to see what he does here because obviously he's got Derrick Henry back, so he must feel happy about that. Running him alongside Miles Gaskin and Mark Ingram in the flex. Three okay running backs in a format this big. Got to make him feel better than our old mate Adam, who's who just seen the injury to Kenyon Drake, and that was tough, but he's got David Montgomery starting in there as well. Hopefully Kenyon Drake will be fine. It does sound like he will be okay. He went and picked up Carlos Hyde in the background last week in case Chris Carson couldn't go. But you know what? He's been missing AJ Brown. He's missed him desperately. He didn't play in the Monday night game. He didn't play on the Thursday night game. He hasn't played last week. Uh, and here he is questionable. Uh, we don't know what to expect out of him. He's going to need to play him though because Marvin Jones is on a bye. Now, the other matchup in this division, obviously, then is the last place team. So you've got Jackal, who's scoring like he should have three wins, versus Taylor, who should have a win and a half. Both teams have got good rosters, and it's tough to imagine this is a matchup between teams who are combined one and seven. So Mike's El Chacal team is going to roll out with Jared Goff, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott. He's looking pretty strong at the back there. Matt Ryan, Josh Jacobs, and Edwards Elair you'd think would be a good back, uh, a good backfield there for the fantasy football team. Taylor's old vinegar strokes. But the receivers, I think, are what sets them apart. Calvin Ridley and DJ Chark for the fantasy football team should probably outduel El Chacal's Devante Parker and Amari Cooper. But there's so many passing yards happening at the moment over in Cowboys offense that it's just hard to ever write anyone who catches passes from Dak off at the moment. And I think in the flex, Robbie Anderson probably makes up a lot of that gap versus Brandon Cooks for the fantasy football team. So we'll see how it all pans out. At the moment, they're being projected for Jackal to have a slight edge at 113 to Taylor, 109. We'll see what happens. Now, the East played the South in the other sets of matchups, and I get Kenny this week. I'm feeling pretty comfortable I can clean Kenny up because he's got a lot of problems, but he did get around and fix a lot of his lineup. Philip Lindsay is coming back from injury. Odell Beckham not on the bench this week. Oh, my God, what a killer. What a killer for Kenny to have Odell on the bench. Terry McLaurin against an LA defense that hasn't really been all that convincing, and he gets Jonu Smith back. Uh, obviously, I've had to roll out Ryan Fitzpatrick last week, and this week he goes up against San Francisco 49ers. So there's probably a, frost, uh, a popsicle's chance in hell that I'm going to start him this week instead of Big Ben. But... That decision will be made later on, I guess. At the moment, that's how it sits. Uh, and look, I get James Conner back this week as well, which is much, much needed. I'm projected for 106 at the moment, and I can imagine that projection changes a little bit. But at the moment, I feel pretty good that I can clean Kenny up. And then we get the battle between Justin and Jerry. So these guys are both second in their divisions at the moment. Jerry is currently the sixth overall seed. Justin is the best 2-2 two and two team I think I've ever seen. He's third overall in scoring the league. He's just put up the 130 last week, 150 this week just gone. And I, oh man, I don't even know what to do with this matchup. It's going to be such a good matchup. Cherry's team is looking pretty good. 
I think Darwin Cook with 16 and his projection looks about right. But Singletary, 13. Mike Evans with 13. He's had such a weird year, Mike Evans. And then Cooper Cup with 14. He's looking pretty solid across the board with those four. And across the table, we've got Nick Chubb on IR and James White. So it looks like Jerry's got a little bit to work out because he also owns Aaron Jones, who's going to be on a buy. And there really is, you know, the cupboard's pretty bare for him at running back. His flex option at the moment is Curtis Samuel, who's a wide receiver. And the only other bench player he's got on there you could start in the flex is Hunter Renfro. So he's got a little bit of work to do at running back. And at the moment, it means that he's projected to lose by 35. And, and that's fine because there is time to fix this. Uh, and he also has Matt Prater on a buy in that lineup as well. So that will change too. So I think in the early on, you might give the nod here to Justin. It puts the pressure on me to make sure I do clean up Kenny to try and keep that division up. But Gene Gnomes is sixth place and he's, he hasn't gotten there by fluke. He's, he's put out teams that look pretty good each week. So I expect nothing short of Jerry to go and make some really shrewd moves. Maybe even a trade somewhere along the way. We haven't had any trades since after week two games. And it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. But at the moment, I've got to give the nod to Justin. Now, Scuba is the number two overall seed. He's playing Mark, who's the number 13. He's bottom of our division. He is, though, the current champion. I don't know that you can count him out. He's one and three, and, I mean, his roster has really just kind of been full of a little bit of disappointment. But at the moment, the projection is really, really close. Only six points between them. Dak Prescott is obviously a big factor for how Scuba's performing, but Mark's been getting a whole bunch out of Tom Brady. The running backs are Kamara and Chase Edmonds, who I don't think is going to have as big a week this week with Kenyon Drake expected to be fine. But Devonta Freeman has been a disappointment, although he's about to go up against a bad Dallas defense. And Miles Sanders hasn't really done what you expected. But he's also about to go up against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I don't know what you expect for him. Alan Robinson and Keelan Cole are the receivers for um, for $10 Booker. Combined, they're projected to score about 18.5 points, which is okay. But Robert Woods and Darius Slayton projected to score 23. I just feel like that they are the more likely combo to get a big score. To me, Darius Slayton really is the ultimate fantasy yo-yo, fantasy whack-a-mole. Anything goes up and down. If you can think of something that goes up and down and whack the word fantasy in front of it, that is Darius Slayton. So at the moment, too close to call, but I guess in terms of just this season's pedigree, you've got to give the nod to Scuba here. He's got the slight lead of projections. He's got the two overall seed. He's winning a tough division. It's hard not to it's hard not to look at his team and just go, well, let's just lean your way for the time being. And last matchup of the round, I'm not even going to analyse this one because it's between Brendan and the Brendox Birdman. And he's going to visit with Joel and the Struggletown Sausage Dogs. Now, both these guys have been hard on their luck. Brendan, 14th overall. He got a win finally. He's in the winner's seat, and, and he's feeling good about it, I'd say. He's still, he even got the number three waiver at the moment, which is good. Joel, he is 2-2-10th, two and two and because the last two weeks have just been so brutal on him, and he's on a two-game downer. Man, this is going to be a great matchup because these two... Man, they, they are just, they're kind of attached to the hip in a lot of ways. You can't really bring one up without bringing the other up. I'm about to investigate that too, because these guys are my guests on the show today. So, safe for me analyzing this matchup, I'm going to get these guys to fling the poo at each other. We're going to dig into who these guys are, how they found the league, all of that stuff. So, strap yourself in, because we're going to talk to Brendan and Joel. Just don't lose it. This is the Astro League, your Astro League podcast, fantasy football. Yeah, boy. Well, it's with great pleasure I introduce Brendan and Joel into the Astro League fantasy football podcast. And Jolio, for the first time, I'm really excited to have him in here. But guys, before we start, can you can you feel it? <laughs> can you feel there's five championships in the room? Oh, this never happens. <laughs> <laughs> No. Thanks for coming on, guys. Sorry, I had to give a wanky introduction because that's my thing. Um, but thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for no having us. No worries. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. Great to have you here. And look, I know that you guys have yeah, you guys have been part of the league since forever. And somehow, amongst all of this, I don't I don't think I've ever had the occasion to meet either of you guys face to face. So this is a real treat for me. Absolute treat. Yeah. Oh, same goes. Did I? I was trying to remember. No, I remember thanks. we did a uh, very, very early, early in the piece. It was like a, a Madden tournament at the. <gasps> what, was, what was that pub? Um, oh, the one in Woden. Statesman. Statesman. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We, no yeah, way. So that was like early in the piece. That's like 2009, 10, I reckon. Like as in the start of the Fed wow. fantasy football. That's. I feel like we yeah. everyone probably met then, and I reckon that was the last. Oh, well, I definitely would have met you in person there then. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we have. I'd have been the, the drunk idiot in the Jaguars jersey. So, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think 
Uh, BJ just as normal like he does with our fantasy league. I'm pretty sure he went to the finals in that as well. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if he won. Yeah, you, probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was probably like in the middle of the pack as well. <laughs> I was just trying to beat people with field goals. Yeah. So pound the rock. And get <laughs> I just remember how good the beer tasted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, don't have to ask me many times to come on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's ten years ago, and fast forward to now, like. Wow, the NFL this year has been unreal. Like the fantasy season and the NFL season. Jolio, give me your thoughts. Tell me, talk me through what's twenty twenty in the NFL and fantasy has been like for you. Um, I feel like it has been for pretty much everybody in the NFL and outside the NFL. Just uh, mayhem and uncertainty. Um, yeah, as I think I was saying in, earlier on, is uh, I just hope that. The Carolina medical staff is good, so McCaffrey comes back and I actually resemble somewhat of a team um, in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit of a rough sled since getting, uh, what was it, McCaffrey and Mostert both down on the same yeah. day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> no. Nah. And then now I, well, like, and I've also got do? Cam Newton just coveting the place up as well, yeah. so... <laughs> Just uh, yeah, just to make uh, matters worse. But nobody else will know about this too. But Joel and I were talking about trades in the couple of days before you know the Cam Newton stuff went up, and and there was a bit of a talk about what it would take to trade Cam Newton to me. Yeah. And, Wow, like, <laughs> you nearly exported a fantastic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But just in the typical struggle town fashion, I held on to him. <laughs> just in the typical me fashion too, I'm like, well, let me turn this trade into a four-piece trade. And you're like, no. no. <laughs> just take down. It was quite quite funny because uh, B- uh, BJ and I were talking this morning the same thing. So we were talking about tight ends to pick up um, last weekend. And oh. I dropped the um, Green Bay Packers uh, tight end's name to him saying, I think I should get him. And But, it, but BJ had the oh. higher waiver priority. And I just, I just assumed no. he was going to get him. And so I didn't pick him up. And he actually didn't, he didn't no. use his waiver but picked him up anyway. <laughs> Wins oh. his game and I lose my game. You gotta be kidding! And Tonya scored yeah, six hundred points. And I got Gronkowski points. instead. So, well I done. mean, it was pretty sweet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> make a promise that I wouldn't play him this week against him, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? You guys got a gentleman's <laughs> yeah. agreement? Only because he's on buy. He's on a buy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I will say also, okay, so- if Mike Davis gets the winning scores for me this week, I am going to be so happy, considering he is uh, McCaffrey's replacement. Yeah, just going to make it even better. Yeah, that'd be the cherry on the top. So let's yeah, wow. Davis. wouldn't that just be a big just... finger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can just see it coming as well. Yeah. So I sort of I decided early on this week that I wasn't going to give him too much crap because I feel like karma will come back at me. Yeah, I don't like this karma person. <laughs> I think at this point you should just shovel as much shit his way as you can, Joel. Because I mean, if you're up against it and then you pull it out and you got to give him a whole bunch of shit, I think yeah, you're up well, to I've got no one else to get injured. I think so. I've... <laughs> <laughs> You're probably about right, actually. Uh, it's been tough sledding. And then, Brendo, you've been off to a slow yeah. start with a roster I thought was really good. We talked right after you drafted. And I said, mate, I would trade you teams. I love your It's team. not too bad, is it? It's just been unlucky, I guess. I feel like I'm yeah. in the division of death as well. Like, every team in our division is just epic. Yeah. And just scoring big games. And I'm just scraping along, just trying to get a W here and there. But I finally got it, which I'm happy about. Yeah, you got your W in yeah. a big way. In a big, big way. 136 points this week, too. That's got to fill you with oh, some definitely. confidence. Another 137 this <laughs> week. Uh, I'll have a little bit more confidence. <laughs> this is something that appears a bit earlier in the episode, and obviously I've recorded that separately from you guys. But in terms of just the way the league's panned out at the moment, there's six teams, three and one, then a whole slew of teams, two and two. And really, it's scoring, scoring. Even putting up a score in games you lose is really going to matter this year. The, yeah, you, you just need to... It's, it seems like... You need to put a hundred minimum to even be in the in the talk of a win. Um, it's just great. Like I think I scored eighty six and got beat this week, and we both scored under hundred, and that's just unheard of. I feel for this season. Yeah. Every other game, you just see like one twenties and one thirties, and it's just like, yeah, everyone's just putting up astronomical numbers. It's been amazing. We've had forty one scores of a hundred, and eleven of those are lost. And that that's that a big crazy. number. There's been more scores of a hundred that have lost this year than ever before on ratio so far. So it just tells you, like, no, nothing's safe yeah. at the moment. Jackal goes out and scores 135. Ah, Jackal. 
We were just talking about him before as that well. That guy's snake bitten. That's the biggest loss since Taylor cried about losing the heat when he scored 130 <laughs> something a few years ago. And that James with his 139 in the final a few years ago, which you don't deserve to lose. No, 139. No. That's that? all right. So that, James. That James put that up, but it was in that week where I end up with 170 because, oh, wow. you know, fucking eight. Antonio Brown scored 38 and, you know, there was just yeah, mental scores all over the place. It was, he should have absolutely won if he played anybody else in the other week. It was yeah, just such a bad luck. Crazy. And he got in my head all week. He spent all week getting up in my kitchen <laughs> and he had me so messed up. Even as it was going, he was yeah. tweeting me stuff and, and messaging me stuff to unsettle me. Like, he just knew how That's jumpy that I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. Like, it's just the scores are crazy at the moment. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, completely agree. This year, I don't even know what to do about it. <laughs> I just don't even know. I just don't even know. Because what, what do I even know about fantasy? I'm thinking this is to myself all the time because I see a team like, you know, Brendo's team and Taylor's team. I loved both their rosters. And up until this week, they didn't have any wins. And I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense. Jackal's winning all over the place. And these two guys who've got great rosters can't even buy a team. Yeah, it's it crazy. Sense. I actually just saw Taylor's new um, logo. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, I'm going to have a look right now. Yeah. It's just the pool emoji. <laughs> and his team's just the fantasy football team. He's just... Oh, God bless. He's thrown yeah, it. Throw wobbly. He's been brave enough to be a big loud mouth on here and call his yeah. shot. And some have come off and... Is anyone really going to be a hard time? Bit of what, he doesn't. Missing some calls. He doesn't like, like, we all he's talking calls shit. He's, he's talking like what I like. I, most of the time, I listen. I'm like, yeah, correct. And then it goes wrong. And you're like, you're like, of course it has. Because yeah. that's exactly how everyone has been thinking this season. Because <laughs> you all think you're doing the right thing, and then it's just not. But um, it's fantasy, right? Yeah, exactly. So I addressed this earlier in the episode too about, look, we did put the poll out earlier in the off-season to say, well, what, what should we do here? And there was enough momentum of people saying, yeah, we, we probably should do something, maybe add an extra bench spot that's just usable for people who end up in, affected on, like, the week of their game. But there wasn't – it just wasn't enough to get a majority, which was a real pity because I think now if we read result, but – I don't know how you install that five weeks into a season and it'd be fair. Um, I just don't know how you yeah, do it. I don't think you can do you it know? Now, I guess. As much as, cool I, again, like, but... yeah, you'd love it in, in circumstances, but I just feel like it's there. It's just, it is what it is, and we we look at it again next season and see what happens. But yeah. um, I feel like, yeah. Well, uh, gosh. Yeah, look, I think yeah. up our way, Brenda, we're doing all right. Um yeah, we haven't had a recorded case in the ACT for something like 12 weeks, not even a recorded case. So we, we're really lucky, and it's hard to talk to people who aren't in the ACT about it because it sounds really gloaty. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> not trying to be. You're just sort of saying, well, you know, it's it's lucky that we're here and things have been okay here, and, and it makes you really feel a lot of empathy for people. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those funny things. That I, um, I moved down to Melbourne to... Uh to enjoy the big city life and then I've spent, <laughs> spent most of this year of just being wow. in my house. So like, <laughs> There's that karma. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I moved down the end of 2018. Um, so yeah, been down here yep. pushing two years, which is um, fine. But yeah, like, love the place. I, I, I'll no really expectations to move home anytime soon. Not that I um, hate or anything like that, but you just love it down here. But yeah, it's one of those yeah. high insights. You kind of just like, well, I wish it about six months ago. I went, okay, let's just have a little working holiday up in Canberra instead of staying down here or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can work remotely, that might be a nice way to be able to sort of you know mix it up and, and get the familiarity at home because I mean. There's no secret. Yeah. You've got the yeah. struggle town <laughs> yeah. thing going on in the name. Um, that's obviously you've got some connections. Yeah, well, it's one of those things country that a few people here. mentioned to me because like every league I'm in um, throughout NFL, NBA, or NRL or anything, my name's always Struggle Town, and that, like I've always stuck yeah. with that. Um, and uh, yeah, when I moved down, people a few people mentioned like you're going to change to like Melbourne or Carlton or something like that. And um, no, nah, I, I can't. I can't change that. No. I have to stick with it. I'm a Two six two oh boy, through and through. <laughs> uh, but Brendo, you've uh, you, you're obviously up in this part of the universe. I am Where are you like in Jerobomber? When, when yeah. you feel like you've you made it, that's when you move to Jarrah. Jarrah is definitely you know that meme of like Winnie the Pooh and then Winnie the Pooh in the top hat. <laughs> yeah, Bomberer. <laughs> <Jerobomber. laughs> <laughs> they all think they're really, really yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's yeah. elitism amongst. I didn't know there was a war going on until I started in the workforce and like work, like working in Canberra. I didn't know that people like teased Queen Bee in Canberra. 
And so it was like this really big thing that like we were kind of like, really? oh, well, we're over here like just enjoying ourselves and living life and you guys are worried about us. Like that was kind of like one of those things that I did since started work like, where are you from? Like Queanbeyan. Oh, no, you're from Queanbeyan. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Is this because right, right. we're better than you at sports? Is that what this yeah. is about? Yeah, that's clearly what it was. We just excelled at it. <laughs> that's what it is. I'm not talking academics. I'm not talking about sports, the most important stuff. No, <laughs> quiet on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the real drama is. Uh, and speaking of drama, obviously yes. you guys got a big week five matchup. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Now I have previewed every game in the league except for this one because I don't feel like I need to. I feel like you guys are going to provide it for me. And Jolio, I need you to tell me exactly why this is going to go the way of the 2010 <laughs> championship game. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah. um, <laughs> I. I'm I'm really just big up, I'm no thinking on Mostert coming back. Um, that's a big thing for me. If Mostert can come back and I can have a little bit of a, um, a free week in terms of injuries, it looks like I hopefully will have the uh, like on on projecteds. Uh, he's he's got a little bit of a, a grab on me, but I um yeah I'm pretty confident. I feel which is like very rare when I go up against him because he's always just got had the knock on me. I feel I don't know like he's, have you what is the for and against? Have you got I, oh, it's dear, bad. I don't know. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's ugly. <laughs> okay, so over time, and I looked this up. You guys haven't even been in the same division or, or met head to head since 2017 oh, yeah. in the regular oh. season. So this is kind of a big deal. This is like this is like the Olympics, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also cancelled, but yeah, the Olympics. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the overall wow. is Brendan. Eight See, that's one. that's like the Big Brother. Oh. <laughs> He's always been older than me, taller than me, uh, better than wiser. me, and, and I'm wiser. Better and, I, looking. and I feel like I just get the yips when he when, when we play. So, yeah. <laughs> is this it? This is like when it's time to kick your dad's yeah, ass and I felt one like, on one in <laughs> the driveway. And he just... Yeah, he's like, he just like, you hit those like, couple of lucky shots. And you're like, oh, I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully it'll be 2016 yeah, all over again for you, Jolio. Um, <laughs> but then, Brendan, come on. You've got your right of reply here. Bring down the well, hammer. Fling some poo here, mate. I think I'll win by one point. No, I'm just joking. I, uh, <laughs> Don't do that again. Come on. I'm really hoping. <laughs> we had Adam going tenths of points. Did you hear his episode? He's like, I'm going to by eight tenths of a point. <laughs> Piss off, mate. I'm really Get hoping Mike Davis just runs all day. Yeah. I really hope he is the game changer. Oh, just so Joel, Joel's uh, injury problems can just come back to haunt him one last time. Yeah. Well, am I like... Yeah. I'm still holding out hope that that Gronk thing might take off in Tampa no, Bay. No, no, so no. Maybe. It's, a, it's a one time you might actually cheer for me because you, you, yeah. you want Tampa Bay to win as well. It's like one of those weird little things. So... <laughs> All of a sudden, Gronk is like a young <laughs> getting through. <laughs> How do you be upset at that, Brenda? Well, well I mean, uh, gee, it's good to see you've got a plan in place yeah, for Robert Tonyan to buy, actually. He wasn't even on the uh, way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that because of the Steelers buy is what, what happened there. I was just like, how did you pick that guy up like mid-week? But yeah, it was because of the buy that you managed to jag that. And I was just like, oh, well done. You've just stolen another one from me. Yeah. <laughs> So I reckon Brendan is like the Belichick of this league because he's just yeah. he's finding ways he's, to just get the edge. He, he just finds ways. It drives me a bit crazy. Yeah. Turns him into gold. <laughs> it's, it's all luck. For the longest time, he was doing these trades. I could never work out how we'd get people to agree to some of these trades yeah. we do. I'm like, what is this, this he's guy? He's got a guy named Blankenship as his kicker. Like, <laughs> yeah. How good's the name? He's yeah, playing now, so now well. That, yeah, right? On yeah, he'll be the guy you that beats me. The he'll be the kicker, yeah. Well, man, I, I have had a heck of a time with you guys uh, going down the rabbit hole of the the whole, you know, backstory, the bromance, the separating. I don't know how you guys are keeping the bromance going. Face time helps. Uh, obviously, a bit of a challenge. But, um, you know, good to see you guys. Keep we strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't ever, even have a beard last time you saw him. You know, <laughs> He's gotten old and haggard. Oh, well, you. good luck thank to you, you both in front of the big week five matchup. Uh, to me, it's one of the most highly anticipated of the year. And we circled this one way back uh, before the week three podcast. Brenda and I sort of saw that and just thought, you know, Brenda says, man, you know how good it would be to get Joel on the same episode. And 
I mean, I know this isn't everyone's bag to get on here and talk, 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 talk. It's not everyone's comfortable spot, but uh, I've got to no, tell you, I've had a blast. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for both coming on. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Well, it was great to get those two in the same room. I've never really ever interviewed two people at the same time like that. In my little radio career, I used to do a show where it was pretty much just me in a room playing music, talking back about the song, talking up what was coming next, that kind of thing. So interviewing has kind of been something I've had to learn on the fly with this, and it's been fun to do, and I feel like I've been getting better at it. But that was a real challenge, trying to find a way to interview two people at the same time. Hopefully it worked out, but it was great to have those guys on the show. And nice to get Joel on for his first appearance. I think overall we've had nine or ten different voices from within the league on the show. And I'm striving to get more and more people involved who want to be involved. Next week I've got a really, really special edition where I'm going on the road. So I'm going to be broadcasting on a location that isn't, you know, the Nissan studio like I'm in this week. Or from my wardrobe or all these other weird places that I've had to set myself up to record. And... And hopefully it'll be a really good episode there too because I'm talking to one of the guys in one of the more competitive divisions who's having a really good year. But we'll cross that bridge next week. Before I go, I just wanted to give a little recap on how divisions are going. In terms of scoring at the moment, the league average is around 108 points. And the reason for that is you've got two divisions scoring close to 110 and then the other two divisions scoring close to 105. And here it is. The South is in the lead at the moment, mainly thanks to, well, Justin is dragging us along. He's averaging 124 points for a two and two team. That's amazing. The division itself is averaging 110.07. Now, it's only just taken the mantle off the West. The West have been averaging 109.99. That's right. There is eight hundredths of a point per week per team between these two divisions in scoring, and they are the truck. They are the truck that is pulling because the North and the East are just that little bit behind. So the North, 105.19. And really, in that one, it's Jackal who's doing the heavy lifting. He's averaging almost 112 points. But over in the east, poor old Kenny. He's averaging 93 points. Those last two weeks have really hurt him badly. And it's really offsetting what uh, Scuba is doing there with 119.5 points. $10 booker, a real strong team this year. But that division is averaging 105.87. It's only about seven-tenths of a point per week per team more than the North. But that's really it. You've got two teams who are just that handful of points a week stronger, and they're both sort of almost the same. And then those two teams who are just that handful of points weaker, but also almost the same. So it's kind of cool that those two divisions haven't met yet. The two with the slightly higher scoring haven't met yet, and the two with the slightly weaker scoring haven't met yet. They're going to be up in week six. So that'll be really interesting to see. But strap yourself in for week five. Thanks for listening to the show, and I'll catch you next week. do than go to Matt Ryan's birthday party. Get acupuncture in my testy, share a jail cell shack, and try to sell Philip Rivers' wife birth control. Life is a bunch of chocolates. If that, bo- if that box of chocolates had been laced of poison that made you shit blood for four weeks. I had a boner for Ridley. After Monday, my testicles have been drained, and my boner is softer than the Cowboys' defense. Calvin and the Ridley score represents my will to live right now. I hope Matt Ryan gets full-blown AIDS. Not HIV, but full-blown AIDS. I hope someone feeds Matt Ryan laxatives and he shits his cleats. I hope long in the sun and gets burned because he's a ginger sack of shit. Sack of shit? That's what Matt Ryan's middle name should be. C-H stands for chronically emitting horse shit. You are now the Atlanta Elkins. I've taken the F to use to say fuck you, assholes. Thanks for having your shittiest piece of crap games all at once. Thanks for taking a 35-point lead in projections and taking a huge steamy asparagus piss all over it. My team now has no name, and the poo emoji now represents the excrement that you so-called NFL players have dished up. Russell Wilson seems like a dreamboat compared to you new assholes of the year. You may as well rub yourselves all over OBJ because he loves being shat on. Peace out from the fantasy football team. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.